Welcome to the Authors Who Lead podcast. This podcast is dedicated to you, people who want to be inspired by authors, leaders, and the messages they share. This is such an important podcast to us because we help uncover what goes on behind the scenes when authors are writing their book. We talk about the process. We talk about where they get big ideas, and you can listen in on those conversations. We can't wait for you to join us. So let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. I am Masul Theronis, your host. What's great about having these conversations with authors who lead is that I get to speak to some of my dear friends and people that I've actually had a chance to be in person. And today is one of those days I get to talk to Laura Powers. She's a celebrity psychic who has been featured on BuzzFeed, NBC, ABC, CBS, Fox. You might catch her at the Telluride Film Festival or maybe in Cannes Film Festival. She is often writing books when she's on the road and she travels as a nomad, as Steve and I both did for many, many years. And I just love the way she shares her truth in the world. We're going to talk a little bit about her books, particularly Archangels and Ascended Masters, but also about the way in which you craft a book when you're trying to make an impact in the world. Welcome to the show, Laura. Thanks so much for having me. It's really a pleasure to be here with you today. I know a lot of times the first thing people probably wonder about is, how did you become a psychic to stars and actors and singers? Because it's not like you went and applied for a job. So people think, <laughs> well, how did you get there? I know we started with similar paths, teaching abroad in particular in Shanghai. We both got maybe different times, but we were in that space for a while. Mm, yeah. Let's talk about the early origins of like this becoming a leader in the world outside of a traditional career. Yeah. So ever since I was little, I've seen and sensed ghosts and other non-physical beings. And I grew up knowing I was different because other people clearly didn't see or sense what I did. And actually, for a long time, I thought I was probably crazy because of this, because other people weren't sensing what I did. And it wasn't until I was in college and a family friend described a ghost that I'd seen but never told anyone about that I was like, wow, I guess I'm not crazy. And that was like both comforting and kind of terrifying at the same time, because you know, I meant it was real. And I didn't really have the tools in my life to know how to handle it. And it was also a different time with internet. I think the internet is so developed now and it's great because it's so easy to find information and connect with people and different forums and groups and, you know, ebooks. And it just wasn't like that when I was growing up. And even when I was in college, the internet was there, but it was still really kind of in its infancy in terms of all this stuff. And so I just had some pretty intense experiences as a psychic. And I just did the only thing I knew how to do at that time, which was to shut it all out. And so I just basically blocked out my gifts and abilities and, you know, fast forward several years and I was in a really bad place in my life. I was physically sick. I was unemployed. I was in a toxic marriage. Every aspect of my life was a mess from health, you know, finances, personal relations, direction. And I actually went to a psychic and she, without me telling her, of course, basically said how when I shut out my abilities, I shut out what I needed to know. So I said about the process of you know, setting the attention open back up, started to take classes and learn how to handle everything that was there instead of just trying to ignore it. And that was really when things changed for me. And they changed very quickly and dramatically. And it's funny because I never set the intention to be a professional psychic. Like I literally just started taking classes so that I just would have like a same life <laughs> and a better life. But it just became clear that that was at least part of my path and that I had abilities in this area as part of my training, I did practice readings for people and people started to say, wow, like you're really amazing. And it just kind of developed from there. It was also during the recession. So I started my podcast and started this work during the recession. And I had 
concurrently been looking for traditional work and just wasn't finding it. And then it finally just became like, I think I should just do this. <laughs> so I just did. And then in terms of, you know, working with celebrities, it's just something over time, you know, a lot of my clients are word of mouth. And that's really what it is, is word of mouth and media has been quite impactful for me too, in terms of getting the word out about what I do. Right. And you know, what's so interesting is a lot of people don't realize the path of anyone that they not only do do incredible work and as a medium and working with other people to help them through their journey of understanding is you have a degree in theater, which is awesome. I actually have an undergrad degree in world arts and cultural theater. So we kind of had that in common. Oh, very cool. <laughs> and you Love have a that. master's degree in political science. Interesting where your path is taking you because there's times where you do what you're supposed to. And it seems logical that this would be the path to be successful, have a job. And then there's the path that you're on, the one that seems to be calling you. So tell us about that path when it relates to being an author, because being a celebrity psychic, being somebody who's called upon when people want to know what's going on in their life or reach messages to loved ones or people they don't quite know how to connect with. How did you start the book writing journey? Was it like the podcast where you're like, you know what, I could do this. It's free. I plug my computer in and off I go. What was the writing process like for you when you first decided you wanted to write a book? Well, it's funny. I've always loved writing, all types of writing and, you know, would get good grades on papers and things and started blogging. And I did a blog when I was living in China. And I also just felt a really strong drive to teach and share this knowledge that was so impactful for me in my life and transforming my life. And it was funny, my first book developed because I had booked a talk at a local library in my hometown in Lafayette. And I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I have to have something to share or give. Like, and I wrote a book in six weeks. <laughs> and that, that was it. It was like, I was like this fire under my butt to do it. And it was not professionally packaged at all. Like I, I literally went to the local print shop and had it spiral bound with like just a, a photo of me on the cover and like, you know, very non-tech at all, but it still was put together. And then what I did was go out there and learn like, okay, how do I make this like a real book <laughs> in the sense of like what people really think of as a book with the binding and the, you know, then with the eBooks and everything. And for me, I write very quickly because a lot of it is channeled. Mm. And so the hard part for me is actually just the packaging and the marketing, just in terms of like the time involved. But I write very quickly. And so once I did the first one and figured out how to do it, I was like, oh, I can do more of these. And then I did crowdfunding and, you know, just so basically every book aside from my first one has already been profitable by the time it was released because I already had a platform with my business, my podcast, you know, getting known in the community and then I would do crowdfunding. And another driving force for me in terms of writing is that my services are very high priced and I know that I'm not accessible to most people. And it does take a lot of energy and it feels like the right price point for me. But at the same time, I want to provide something for people that are ready and want help and support and assistance on this journey, but aren't able to, for whatever reason, work with me directly. Right. So let's talk about that. A lot of people would be surprised that you could fund a book before it's released and profitable. Let's talk a little bit about that process for people, because I think, you know, you do an, an excellent job of leveraging your media and we'll talk a little bit about how you get media and then how you get a book out there and get it sold before it's even released, because that is really the key to getting a book to be successful and profitable. So let's talk about maybe the, the way in which you get a book profitable first. Yeah. Well, especially if you haven't written a book, I think it's not hard to do this just with your circle and something. They love to be involved and participate and support people that they know. In my case, I, yeah, I had, you know, family and friends and my clients. 
And it's just really a matter of getting it out there. I think the platforms now like Indiegogo or Kickstarter are so incredible because they just make it so easy. You know, it's easy for people to pay. It's easy to share on social media. And I think the key for a successful campaign is diligence. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. don't just post once a day and think like, okay, that's it. Like, you know, you really have to be assertive and just follow up and really keep putting it out there. Let people know as progressing how it's going when people pledge, you know, post about the pledges and, and then having perks that are appropriate. So in my case, I would do kind of packages with varying services or programs that I have. And in some cases, they would involve my time, like, you know, if you wanted to buy a big package, and that would be maybe an hour long reading and, you know, several other goodies, and it it would be a good financial decision. So if you were already one of my clients, you're like, oh, I want to support this and I'm getting a good deal. And it's a win-win. And you can also include, you know, if if you do have a business packages and things that don't even involve your time. So I have like an angel course, I have a manifesting course, I have a a 30-day meditation program. So there's all these kinds of like extra goodies that you can put in there. It doesn't have to be just stuff related to the book. Right. No, that's really great. In fact, it's often great that people want to get more for their money. We're just built that way, right? So they want to support you. And the other thing I realized, Laura, this is something I was telling a client the other day, is when you're launching a book and you say, support me, buy my book, that's great. People will do that, especially if you can sit down and write a list of, do I know 50 or 100 people that I know care about that would do this for me as a favor? Spend $20 on buying a book. Yeah, you probably do. But you should also make the list of the people you think would buy multiple books. Who would buy five? Who would give it to a friend? Who would buy it and let me speak at their group? So you got to think bigger. If you haven't asked, you know, I always say, I'm going to definitely ask the people that said they would buy my book. I'm not going to ask them to buy one. I'm going to ask them to buy a dozen because why wouldn't they if they're willing to support me? So I think that's really great. So let's, let's transition over to like getting the media because I think that's something obviously you do very, very well is not only getting featured on the media, but getting leveraging sort of the way you use your persona to be the go-to person to big media outlets. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So I think whatever media you can have or get and have gotten already, use that. And you don't have to be you know, already known to get it. In fact, using your intuition is really important. And my first media thing as a psychic was so funny because you know, we do get intuitive hits about things all the time. And most people just ignore that because they don't understand that that's what it is. And even I, with getting a lot of training in this, had to learn that, you know, for myself. So I kept getting this message to readings at a local coffee shop. And I like really didn't want to do it. I'll be honest. I was like, I don't want to be in public. And it just, I just had a lot of resistance to it. So finally, I was like, okay. And I put up a sign in the window of the shop. And, you know, you know, my friend run the coffee shop. So she gave me permission to do it. And the first day that I was scheduled to do my readings there, the managing editor of the local newspaper called and asked if he could write a story about me. <laughs> <laughs> it was like no press release sent, no nothing, you know. And, you know, he came in and he I did a reading for him and he watched me do a reading for someone else. And then two days later I was in the regional newspaper with, you know, color photo and my phone started to ring. So mm. I saw immediately the impact that media has not just in terms of, you know, visibility and getting your name out there, but then I could post that on social media, I could put it on my website. So, you know, one easy way to start if you feel like you don't have any ins or, you know, connections is podcasts are great. Podcasts are always looking for guests, find a very niche podcast that relates to whatever it is that you're doing. And once you have that, you can share that with other people, whatever media you've gotten, 
use that, show that as an example for others that you want to be on. Make sure you put together a reel or a media kit and just follow all the places where people post that they're looking for. So Harrow, Help a Reporter Out is a great one where reporters will look for sources for things. There's also a lot of podcasts, you know, Facebook groups and lists where you can see people booking guests. And I think it's professionalism. So the combination of being prepared, you know, following that intuition is a little bit of that magic. And then just being persistent and putting yourself out there and also make sure that you have a professional website, professional photos. I just can't stress enough how important that is. So even when I was brand new baby starting my business, I didn't even know what I was really even doing yet in terms of services. Like I wasn't even for sure I was going to be a psychic yet. I got professional headshots. And I just think that's really important. So like recently, I was featured on the Ron Burgundy podcast with Will Ferrell. And when that producer reached out to me, I said, how did you found me? And she found me through, you know, just searching online and first through Yelp. And then she went to my website. And then she said, I spent several hours on your website checking you out. So before they even contacted me, this producer spent hours on my website looking. So make sure that your website looks professional and whatever you've done that speaks highly of you, whether it's, you know, testimonials or your books or other media, all that, make sure that it just really paints you in the best possible light so that you look credible. Right. That's great advice. You got to look like you're ready, even if you're not. <laughs> yeah. Really and you, you really got to make it easy for them to do their job. They don't want to be trying to figure out if you're a good source. They would love for it to be easy, easy to work with, easy to get your photos, easy to get your bios short and long, easy to understand what are the sound bites we could talk about. So having content, a podcast is a great way to have content for someone who's a creator. And blogs, I think, are still powerful. So having, I mean, I, I just have all my podcasts written up as blog posts, but just having enough information so that people like the media can validate that you are, are, are good. And once you get media, Somebody else will say, well, they're, you think that it's, oh, they have lots of media. I don't need them. Actually, they think they have lots of media. They're perfect. They know how to interact. They've obviously been Mm -hmm. featured. They check out the articles that have written about you. They might watch a spot if you're on local media. So that's really great. So another thing I noticed, you do a really great job of leveraging your persona to get celebrity, you know, access, but not to invade them or to be in their space unintentionally, but to work like as the press. Talk a little bit about that and how that's really been helpful to grow your connections in the industries that maybe you're not connected to right away. Yeah. So I love working in a way that has the most impact. And I think one of the reasons I was guided to do the readings of that copy job and get my first article is that getting the word out to people is one of the easiest ways to connect with people and to spread your knowledge and information. So I think I've just been working on that ever since the beginning. And Media is a great way. Another wonderful way is influencers. So, you know, I got asked to, to go to an influencer event and do readings in Los Angeles as an example of one that happened recently. And I definitely got the hit to do it. And I went there and I did readings for all these influencers. And one of them in particular was, you know, really impressed. And then she actually ended up coming on my show. And, and then she, I didn't know this, but she is really good friends with Tori Spelling. And Mm -hmm. she recommended me to Tori Spelling and then Tori Spelling became my client, you know, so you just never know who people are connected with, but influencers as a whole, and then media are are both really important. And, you know, once you have something like that, then you have that credibility to share it. 
And I'll be honest, most of the, you know, celebrities don't want you to say, you know, they want their privacy. So, you know, when you have someone that allows you to say over it's public, like the, the Will Ferrell interview, then gosh, use that. And then also, I'm just getting to say that even if you don't know anyone, let's say you're like, I don't know any podcast hosts, I don't know how to do that. Literally, just get someone you know, get a friend to interview you and video it and audio it. And then you have it like no one has to know that it's like not anything. <laughs> just <laughs> right. get that first thing to show as an example. <laughs> no, that's so true. I think people are thinking, well, when I get everything in the ducks in a row, when I have that book, I have that podcast, I have that professional photos, you can do this. But you can find someone on Craigslist who's, you know, a student who's pretty good at what they do. They just don't have, just like you, don't have any experience. So you got to leverage what you have, you know, and every every time you move up, you can kind of grow with it. So let's talk about the number of books and the way in which you write books. I know it's fascinating to people to hear that you channel a book, but let's talk about the ways in which you choose books or the way they choose you, perhaps, because that's true probably for a lot of us. Like this recent book about Archangels and Ascended Masters, where do the ideas kind of stem from? Do they kind of like strike you like lightning or do they kind of percolate over time? And then when you sit to write, it starts to become more clear. Yeah. So with me, with writing, it tends to be something that just feels like a really strong kind of pull or passion. And I think it's partially just my relationship with my spirit guides and everything, but it'll like suddenly be like, oh my gosh, I have to write this like right now. (laughs) (laughs) It'll just come in. And so kind of like my first book, that book was written very quickly, you know, the initial draft. And I was traveling in Mexico. I considered moving to Mexico. And it just came like this, I need to write this book. And I channeled most of it while I was there. And then I came back to the United States and, you know, packaged it and, you know, did all the marketing and everything at that point and editing. But yeah, the it usually comes to me like this, almost like this very strong, just feeling like I just have to do this and I have to do it like now. <laughs> right. So tell me, or, you know, the people listening, what's the result of these books? Because obviously you already had influence in the media. Did did that help? Does the media like the fact that you're a published author? And two, did, how has it helped your, your community or your business grow as you become more and more of the authority, not just someone that's known online, but also known in the author world as well? Yeah, I think it helps with just building platform and brand and business as a whole. So I think having published books really does help with credibility. It helps with discoverability and especially you know, on the larger marketplace, like internationally, like I love when I sell books, you know, and this also happens with the podcast, I sell books are placed on the charts and, you know, these different foreign countries. And that's incredible to have that reach. And I find that a lot of times people will first read my books and listen to my podcast, either one or the other or both, and then they'll become a client. So it's a really great sort of intro to, you know, me and my work. And I love it too, because if someone has done that, then, you know, we're not starting at square one in terms of information when I start working with them. And that's also good for them in terms of, you know, business and finances, because my rates are high. And that way, I'm not having to go over like really basic information during a session, but rather just getting right into, you know, the really important stuff for them. Great. So it helps nurture them and get them to a place of knowing whether they're prepared, knowing what kind of support they need and giving them confidence that you're the right person. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's also a wonderful tool for people to share. You, know, you were talking about the crowdfunding element, and it's it's been really common for me to, when I'm pre-selling a book, and someone will, you know, pre-order like five copies to give to all their friends, you know? Right. <laughs> so, 
you know, it's a wonderful way to get shared with others. Great. That's really helpful. So let's talk a little bit about when you launch a book, how long do you give yourself and are you self-published for all your books? And what do you do to kind of keep the momentum going? I know just like any other product on Amazon or some, you know, a traditional store, the more products you have, the easier it is to attract people. If you have one, they're like, oh, this person sells shampoo and it sells one brand. I think I'll go to somewhere else versus, wow, they have several titles, several products, and I want to peek through here. They seem interesting. Tell us about how long your kind of marketing and plan is and what do you do to kind of keep it energizing so that you don't constantly say, buy my book? Yeah. Well, in the, in the beginning, as I mentioned, I had no plan. I you know wrote my book in six weeks and didn't really do a professional launch because I was just trying to figure out how to do all of it. And the longer I go, the, the longer that tail becomes in terms of how long I'm planning for the release of the book. So I used to just kind of let me go, oh, just get it out there and do it really quickly. And now I think planning a year in advance or so is great in terms of several things, you know, planning your social media, planning to get testimonials and, you know, quotes about the book, giving advanced and beta readers, you know, chance for feedback. All of that stuff, I think, is really helpful with the success of the book as a whole. So I do tend to plan farther out now than I used to. One of the things I, it is interesting that I, I have struggled with in the last couple of years is books are great jet, like kind of lead generates, but they're, they're not, at least unless it's your full-time thing, massive income generators, at least they haven't been for me. It's a, it's a nice little steady extra income stream that comes in. And so the last couple of years, as I've gotten busier, I haven't prioritized writing and publishing as much just because there's other things that have felt more kind of relevant at the time, like, like media and some celebrity work and, and working with more executives and things like that. But it's, it's, I think even releasing one book a year or something still helps to keep your name out there. And I have really noticed in terms of the success, uh, success of the book that um, it really does improve over time, like you said, with the number of books that you have. So like my book sales in this past year were double the year before, and I'm aiming to have that double again this next year. And I think that that's really doable. Right. No, that's really great. You know, I want to help people understand that this whole fear of, well, I'm, but I'm not an expert yet. I'm not somebody yet that would be able to do this. So when I become somebody with authority or an expert, that I will start. How do you, let's help people understand that myth and how you can help them deal with it. Like even if you use your, the knowledge you have to help make that book stand out. Well, if you're writing a book on, you know, some kind of nonfiction topic, even in doing the research for a book topic, you are already an expert compared to like 99.9% of people on that topic. Cause most people are not doing that amount of research on any one given subject. So you know, I think it's just important to recognize that. And then the other piece is that people are really drawn in, not just by information, but by story. So, you know, when you write a memoir, including memoir aspects to your book, your story, no one else has that. Your story is unique to you and people are really drawn in by that. So I think it's important to share that. And then it's not as much about just being an expert, but also sharing your unique perspective. And I guarantee that there are people that are going to be helped and supported by hearing what you've gone through. Right. That's what I try to help people. It's like, if you are a guru in a cave somewhere <laughs> trying to offer who you are to other people and say, well, I'll wait for them to arrive, more than likely they're going to get lost in the path to you and find someone else who's a guide. A guide is someone who sits close to them, who's just ahead of them, 
who's walking ahead on the trail and steps in something and goes, ooh, look out, don't step in that. They like a guide because the guide can help them feel like they're connected. So I don't want you to think always that you have to be somebody in not even an ivory tower, uh, maybe an academic or some sort of authority based on some metrics that someone gives you permission. If you've been told you're really good at helping ballerinas position well and not have joint pain, then talk about that. If if you're excited about helping dogs learn to um, be more at, at peace when their owners are away from home, talk about that. Don't think that that's not super valuable because if you have a skill, people need it. Absolutely. We all have something unique to share with the world. And I believe our uniqueness, our challenges, all of this is on purpose. Like I don't believe there are any accidents. And our unique challenges, our unique gifts and abilities are created specifically for whatever it is that we came here to do and accomplish. And if we're not if we're not putting that forward into the world, not only are we not living the life that, you know, is going to be the best for us, but we're also depriving all those people in the world of that knowledge, that information, that connection. I mean, I just think all the time, like, what if Picasso was like, yeah, I just don't think I'll be a painter or, you know, <laughs> right, right. Schaefer was like, I think I'm just going to stay home and do something more practical. Like, no, like the world needs this just as much as we love and thrive from putting this out into the world. Right. So let's talk about your writing habits when you're on the road. Cause like me, when Steve and I were nomads are traveling in our suitcase, usually carry-ons and moving, you know, my podcast equipment fits in my backpack. My laptop fits there. I have clothes and if you take more than one or two pair of shoes, you're already filling up everything. How do you make your lifestyle work? And being a nomad who, you know, I know people ask me often, and I'll ask you the same question. How does it feel to not know where you might be three months from now? And how do you kind of manage that that traveling lifestyle? And do you, do you recommend it for people? Do you wonder how long will I do this? Or is this just a way of life for now? You know, I love it. I know it's definitely not for everyone, but I have always loved traveling. And in fact, when when I left the corporate world, uh, one of the reasons was I just, I was so frustrated with my lack of freedom and flexibility in terms of ability to travel. So I frequently will travel without a checked bag, which is pretty amazing. <laughs> so for, talking about how, for sure. <laughs> like, you know, little everything is with podcasting equipment and yeah, a really light laptop and I can do most things from my phone. So that's, that's pretty incredible, just the tech elements of what we have access to. I do travel a lot, but I also frequently have like little home bases or, you know, places that I, I can go or that I go to regularly where I stay with friends, family or clients. I'm lucky to have clients all over the world. And so, you know, it's not like I have to furnish everything. Like I go and I just need like kind of the stuff for me. And that's, that's really lovely. And in terms of writing, I do a lot of writings on planes. Yeah, I have a lot of plane time. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's like, well, don't have the internet, don't have, you know, it's just a good time to just focus. And so I'll bring my laptop and do that. And I, I definitely am a person who writes in kind of spurts, you know, so I will have a period of time where I don't necessarily write that much. And then it's like suddenly like, oh, I have to write this. And the, the nice thing about hosting a podcast and, you know, having the website and the blog and all that is I can repurpose content. So, you know, like I had channeled Archangel Galadriel for a client, this client, this guide popped up Archangel Galadriel and then was really kind of present in my mind. So then I channeled a message for like kind of the public and then I wrote it as a blog post and then I recorded it as a podcast. And while I do that, I share, if you like this message, you would probably also enjoy my book, Archangels and Ascended Masters with similar channeled messages from other, 
you know, Angel. So I think the importance of like, you know, using one thing for multiple sources and then cross promoting is really great to make more efficient use of your time. Right. And I know that you, as you write, you, you, you travel, you, you do these things. You also create these events and experiences. I want authors to understand this so they can get a sense of what you mean when you say Laura's in London or Laura's in Venice. So that people understand that you're not setting up an entire conference in these cities, but you're, no. you're setting an mm-hmm. intention. So let's talk about that because one, I, I want to kind of have that vibe when I go out places, but tell us how you do that and what you're doing when you let people know where you are in different parts of the world. Well, I do have, you know, fans and clients all over. I have a newsletter that I send out and, you know, post on social media where I'm going to be in different places. And it's amazing to me how once I decide to go to place, a bunch of other things will manifest and kind of click into place. So it might be then doing a media appearance there. It might be in person, you know, uh, meetings with clients. It might be podcast recordings. It might be, you know, teaching a class or workshop. So it really varies. But I mean, it's amazing. Like I'll give an example. Recently, I was in Maui working with a client and then I was flying back to London and the best flight was through Los Angeles. So I was on the ground in Los Angeles through 17 hours. Yeah, there's no, you know, there's no direct flights from Maui to London. It's really far. <laughs> it is. And so that was the most efficient way to go. And, you know, just put on my website and like a client of mine who actually lives in Florida saw that I was going to be in Los Angeles and she booked a session. And then, you know, her sister ended up coming too. So I had two in-person clients and a meeting with the television producer after I slept at a hotel near the airport <laughs> before I went on the like plane. So these kinds of things happen a lot where I just put it out there and then like, you know, it just kind of connects. And I always have trust that whatever is meant to work out will. But if you don't put it out there, you know, nothing can happen. Right. No, that's the thing I would people know. It's you just you, you step into a space where this is who I'm going to be. And this would be it will apply to like a book tour. Some people don't travel as much as you and I, Laura. Yeah. And they, they, they would be overwhelmed by all this planning. I'm, that's not how I view it. I'm really good. If I'm in a place, I can pack up my stuff in 20 minutes and be out the door to an airport. Even when I've lived somewhere like the last place we lived, Steve and I lived in Puerto Rico. We were there 16 months, which is the longest we've lived anywhere, really one place in a long time. And we packed up everything that we had accumulated there and fit it in two suitcases and walked out the door the next day. But that's, but that's an intention. That's a decision that I don't need. Traveling doesn't need to be hard. It's not difficult. It's not overwhelming. It's not stressful because the moment you say it is, that's what it becomes. So I think for some of us who are doing book tours, like, oh, I could never do book tour. I have a traditional job. Well, do you have a friend in that a city, a family member in that city? Do you know somewhere you'd like to go on a long weekend? Put all four of those things on an itinerary and tell people you're doing a book tour. Yeah. That's how easy it is. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I feel the same. And actually, I don't plan a lot. I mean, I know that sounds strange, but I think too, when you just start to go with the flow, things will align and kind of flow more easily. And it is a muscle, like the more you sort of trust and follow that intuition and have faith about things, then the easier that is. And by the way, if, if you're listening, Galadriel is the angel of faith and miracles. So if you need a little help with faith, I feel like you need some miracles to make your book tour or whatever, right. <laughs> whatever. He's a great one for that. But yeah, and then the other thing I'd suggest in terms of help is, you know, having an assistant, virtual assistants are great, even if you're just hiring at someone to like, you know, five hours a week or something. And, and, you know, there are assistants all over that work at very low rates in terms of US dollars, because the cost of living is so much lower. So having someone to help you with 
you know, doing some research about maybe venues for you to go do a book talk or, you know, reach out to some local media or whatever, that can be so helpful take things off your plate. So part of the way that I manage so much is that I have, you know, four people on my team and they're taking care of a lot of those little things for me, updating my website, putting it out on social media, you know, a newsletter, all those kinds of things. Right. And I don't know what I would do without my assistant, Amanda and publishing manager, Emily, Steve and I just are infinitely grateful for them and they love it. They love the work they do and that's what you want. And you don't have to hire full-time people to start getting help. You could even have simple services like TaskRabbit, go do laundry, pick up things that you would normally go, I need to write, but I can't. And you just got to ask, how valuable is my time if I'm going to drive 20 minutes this way, 20 minutes that way, get my dry cleaning or do these things, you know, to assemble an Ikea shelf to save $50, (laughs) it takes you five hours. Doesn't seem like a good and use a of time. And a lot of frustration. <laughs> a lot of frustration. Not my zone of genius putting together IKEA equipment. I'm really grateful for Steve. He's a wonderful. Um, so let's let's wind up here. I want people to understand how powerful it is to be an author. How was it for you to own that persona? Being, you know, one owning a, the, the the persona of psychic takes a little bit of, you know, understanding on your part as the rest of the world as well. But owning the the author persona, which is something that people, even when I think about myself. It's so much easier to say I'm a writer because it could mean it could imply I, I just write things versus I'm an author, which means I, this is something I am. What's that? How do you feel about that? How do you? How would you help people understand owning that sort of part of you? Yeah, well, I just want to share for anyone who is wanting to do that and is finding it hard that the resistance towards this can be incredibly tough, and there's multiple reasons for that. One of them is that we can have past life patterns where we're scared of visibility or speaking our truth, but we're living in a time and a place where, you know, we're, we're safe, generally speaking, yeah. <laughs> we're sharing these kinds of things. But just, just to give people some context for that, that sometimes it's, it's these very unconscious fears that may be driving that challenge for us. So acknowledging that can help. But I also found that it's, it's literally just baby steps and, you know, how to eat an elephant one bite at a time kind of thing. Like, don't feel like you have to just all of a sudden, like, I have to feel like I'm a New York Times bestselling author or whatever, just, you know, do the little things every day. And also, you know, it's so important to connect with people that are where you want to be and going where you want to go. So connecting with other writers, you know, listening to podcasts like yours, joining groups, and not just those that are, you know, seeking for that, but also those that are successful. I think just surrounding yourself by people who inspire you is so helpful on that journey. Right. No, it's so true. Laura, we could talk for hours, I think. Um, <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> and we'll get more time in person. Hopefully we'll connect at a podcast move or some event. I want people to know where to find you and connect with you. Because one, you should learn from the, the way in which Laura is able to connect and create a persona for people to understand why she's the authority to go to when you are looking for a psychic or a medium and how she leverages her, her podcast, her books, and her media exposure. But I also want them to know you as a person. So where would they go to learn more about you and connect with you, hear your podcast? Great. So my company name is Healing Powers. And my name is Laura Powers. So it's tied in with that. So it's healingpowers.net is the website. And the podcast is Healing Powers Podcast. It's on all the major platform channels. You can find my book under the pen name Laura Powers. And that, those are on Amazon as well as all the major networks. If you have scribed them on there. And 
One thing I'd love to mention is that I do lots of um, giveaways on my podcast. For example, if you write a review, I do every month or so, every month, other month I do an entry. You can enter your name to uh, get into a drawing for usually it's like between $400 to $600 worth of goodies, including readings and you know free things that people send me, um, various programs that I have. So there's a lot of things I offer um, and I like to try to offer a lot of value for people. I will frequently give my books away and things like that. So the podcast is a great way to first connect with me. And then, of course, I'm on social media. I'm pretty active on Instagram. That's Powers 44 Feel free to DM me. I'm also on Facebook. And yeah, I just love to hear from people. Yeah, no, that's great. You're, and you're on all those platforms. <laughs> I, I must attest. It's if I'm like Messenger on Facebook or send you yeah. on Insta, there you are. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, oh, yay. Perfect. <laughs> well, it's been such a lovely conversation. I can't wait to connect in person again. Thank you for coming to the show, helping so many people understand how they can use authorship to lead in their life, lead in their business, and help more people. Laura, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening again to another episode of Authors Who Lead. We appreciate you being here, and we hope you subscribe so you get this delivered to your device every week. And if you haven't left us a review, please do so. It really helps. And if you have a book in your heart, you've been wanting to write a book, please go to authorswholead.com and join us on this journey of becoming a published author.